With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Man, do we have a great show for you today. We have a Hall of Famer. LaDainian Tomlinson will join us next hour in the show. Uh, We have Clay Travis. He'll join us in the third and final hour of the show. We'll talk about his sit-down with Johnny Manziel in Costa Rica, of all places. And uh, we'll talk with the man, the myth, the mullet, Mike Gundy, head coach of my alma mater, a top-10 team heading into the season. The Oklahoma State Cowboys head man will join us in 20 minutes here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. But uh, before we get to that, let's get to the comments made to Bleacher Report by Josh Rosen, who was the number one quarterback in high school football, started right away at UCLA, was injured last year, team only won four games, had a minor shoulder surgery that kept him out of the end of last year. And what everyone seems to be talking about are uh, these comments he made to Bleacher Report. Uh, He said he was asked... uh, 
You got a chance to heal, maybe catch up on school. Rosen, don't get me started. I love school, but it's hard. It's cool because we're learning more applicable stuff in my major economics, not just prerequisite stuff that's designed to filter out people. But football really dents my ability to take some classes that I need. There are a bunch of classes that are only offered one time. There's a class this spring I had to take, but there's a conflict with spring football. So so football wins out was the question. Well, you can say that. Um, the question was, so the reality is student athletes play. So that's the reality for student athletes playing at a university. I didn't say that you did. Look, football and school don't go together. They just don't. Trying to do both is like trying to have two full-time jobs. They are guys that have no business being in school. They're here just because of the path to the NFL. There's no other way. There's the other side that says raise the SAT eligibility requirements. Okay, the SAT requirement in Alabama. See what t- raise the SAT requirement in Alabama. See what kind of team they have. You lose athletes, and the product in the field suffers. And so, anti-sports and college guy goes, boom, Gottlieb, college football player, parents, Ivy League educated. He knows you don't. But actually, he just contradicted himself, and he just walked us down a path to which the point can be made very simply. Look, I'm a former student athlete, a former pampered student athlete who went to both Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. I can tell you definitively, Notre Dame is a much more difficult school. It is not even close. I love my alma mater. I had the greatest time. I was a much better fit at Oklahoma State than I was at Notre Dame. Some people fit better at Notre Dame, and it didn't have to do with the academics um, it just had to do with feel. I, I, I wasn't a private school kid, and there were 7,500 students undergrad when I was at Notre Dame. Most people think Notre Dame is a huge school. It was 7,500 then. I think it's 9,000 now. Uh, there was over 20,000 students. I think it's 25,000 now at Oklahoma State. I like the bigger feel to it. I liked a little bit more relaxed academic um, threshold for getting in. I, I felt like I was surrounded by the best and the brightest at, uh, at Notre Dame, But I did feel like there was a certain entrepreneurial spirit at Oklahoma State, a certain, hey, we came up with nothing and we're going to try and make something and have a good time at the same time. But, but, But one of the points that I learned in college, and I learned, frankly, at both places, is there are plenty of students that hold jobs to try and pay their bills in college. And you know what? It's really hard! It's really, really hard. And guess what? Josh Rosen's not wrong. Football is a job. And he's paid far more handsomely for his job than he could ever be compensated outside of the world of football considering his skill set and what he could earn if he was working a full-time job. And oh yeah, by the way, it's 40 hours a week. uh, 20 hours a week, excuse me, on the field. Sure, there's some other things you have to do in taking care of your body. Remember, you have free academic support you get to handpick the classes that you want in order to succeed. And it's harder to hide kids at, at UCLA than it is at some other universities. It just is. He even points out that at UCLA, if he wanted to graduate in three years, he could go to a sociology degree. Just get his degree, which a lot of guys do. It's still a UCLA degree, and one of the things that he'll, I think he'll learn is and getting a degree opens up plenty of doors, but he's smart enough to know that economics is he wants to start his own business at some point. He wants to understand that. But this idea that because it's really, really hard and because there's some juggling that takes place, that somehow they don't fit together is just about the most childish thing you can say, which is fine because in all candor, he's a child. 
Yes, when I was 20, 21, 22 years old and I was in college and things got really hard, I was like, man, this is not fair. But then as you're, you're an adult, you take pride in that. You're like, you know what? It was really hard. My wife worked full time when she was in college. She worked at a place called Christ's University Spirit, and she was also the nanny for the couple that owned Christ's University Spirit at the same time. And she didn't earn enough there to even make a dent in paying for college in Oklahoma State at the time. Wasn't particularly expensive for in-state tuition. Look, if you want to sit here and come at me and go like, see, he's just proving it correct, and everyone's taking the quote about Alabama, about how it's easier to get into Alabama than it is at UCLA, and that's why Alabama gets better football players and running with it. Um, there's some legitimacy to that. I don't think that's an illegitimate mark. And everybody's pointing to Stanford, and Stanford gets to pick from the top of the top of the deck academically, and they've been able to create a culture. They have kids from mostly, a lot of them are from two-parent homes, uh, kids that are, that are good students, that want to work hard. And, and to be completely honest, I think UCLA is harder to stay in than Stanford is harder to stay in. Stanford's harder to get in. UCLA is harder to stay in. Both schools are very difficult to get in. Uh, although the academic uh, requirements are less so for a UCLA student-athlete. Well, you know, the realities. My brother and sister went to UCLA. You can tell me I don't know anything about it, but that'd be wrong. <laughs> uh, my brother was at Cal Berkeley for six years as an assistant coach. You can ask me and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. I actually do exactly know what I'm talking about. So he's not wrong in that you lessen the requirement. I mean, Harvard in basketball lessened the requirements in order to get in. Now, what they do at Harvard is, in in basketball, in sports in the Ivy League, they have what's called the academic index, the Ivy League academic index. And the index is like a score they give you based upon your GPA and your SAT combined. And your incoming recruiting class has to have, has to pass a certain threshold of the index. And so what Harvard did when Tommy Amaker uh, took over was they got smart. They started recruiting because... There's no scholarships, although they do have scholarships now if your parents make. It used to be 70 grand or less. Now it's like 125 grand or less. You can get full kind of, uh, it's not grant and aid, but you can get full um, coverage for everything you do. You like, you don't, don't end up coming out of pocket for it. So it's like scholarship, not scholarship. Anyway, uh, what Harvard started doing was, and they still do this, they recruit five or six guys that can pay their own way that are 4.7 you know, 1,500 in the SAT student-athletes, and then they get a couple of kids that have in the 3.5s, still high academic achievers, but guys that would have no chance to get into Harvard on their own and would bring down their academic index, they balance out the two, and that's how they've been able to recruit better student-athletes at Harvard than they've ever had before. That's how basketball has won so many Ivy Leagues. They lowered the the, the entrance standards, which, by the way, is probably the least discussed benefit of being a student athlete you get access to a club that without sports you would have no chance of getting into my guess would be 75 percent of ucla's football and maybe a higher percentage of basketball players would have no chance of getting into ucla zero zero chance of getting to ucla if not for the fact they played a sport which is fine which is the whole idea of sports the whole idea of having uh, you know, like diversity shouldn't just be diversity in terms of color of skin, diversity in terms of background, in terms of skill set. Like th- this is, I think this, I think it's a good thing. But like, let's not kid ourselves, Josh Rosen. Like, there are plenty of guys at UCLA that shouldn't necessarily be at UCLA. 
in terms of what they've achieved academically. And yes, they do. Everybody looks at it as I'm going to the NFL. But just because you look at, at it like that doesn't mean that's the reality. You take every kid thinks they're going and 1% of the kids actually end up making it. That's the reality of collegiate athletics, especially at the high major level in football, the high major level in basketball. Think about the math to it. There are 350 plus division one men's basketball schools, 13 scholarships apiece. There are 30 first round draft picks. How many kids are really going pro? (laughs) And then there are what? Seven rounds to the NFL draft, 32 teams, Think of the math there. Then remember, there's 85 scholarships per team, 125 Division I teams. You do the math. How many kids are, and how many kids that are drafted are actually making a team? So they're there because of the path to the NFL. It is a path to the NFL, but it's also a path to a professional career, to an education, to a degree which allows you to teach, allows you to coach, allows you to be, uh, allows you to have greater opportunities in the business world. You go to school thinking, hey, I'm going to be here for three years and go pro. That's what they all think. Then you get there, you're like, well, maybe that doesn't happen, but I got to look at another path. But I I don't dispute that it's really hard. It's two full-time jobs. But between in-state or out-of-state tuition, between what you get and the benefit you get in terms of admissions, the benefits you get in terms of academic support as well as athletic support, you get the best trainers, the best facilities, uh, the best coaching money can buy, and then you get the best academic sport possible, especially the higher level that you play at. Oh, yeah, and you never come out of pocket. You get cost of attendance. Guys that come from uh, tough backgrounds get Pell Grants as well. You have money in your pocket. You stay in usually the best dorms, albeit UCLA's dorms have always been a notch below many of the other state schools. Josh Rosen telling the world, Woe is me. I'm an athlete who wants to be a student, but it's really, really hard. Hey, dude, that's anybody who holds two full-time jobs. Anybody. And these, oh, it's more than 20 hours. We were eating together. Like, come on, dude. You were going to eat anyway. We were playing video games together. I love it. UCLA guys complaining about, you realize UCLA doesn't start school till like October. Just this is the problem with reporters like they don't fact check any. They don't know anything. They're in the trimester system. UCLA has a great benefit. All these guys, they get if if meals aren't provided, they get per diem. So you get a little extra cash in your pocket. And right now, all you're doing is playing football up until school starts and school at UCLA starts later than most places because a lot of schools in the Western United States are actually on the trimester system. Oh, it's really hard. I There was a class that wasn't offered, like one class wasn't offered, and football precludes you from doing that? Um, I'm going to call BS on that happening most places because most places offer all classes online. So I like Rosen. He's really smart, but he's one of these guys that kind of is too smart for his own good. He's talking out of his rectum at times, and though it's his perspective— and I value his perspective because I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. The idea of, hey, he's taking down the entire system because he said football and school are hard. Nobody said it was easy. Oh, he said it was easy. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oklahoma State starts the year 
ranked 11th in the country and is a, a definite threat to make the college football playoff for the first time ever. Head coach is Mike Gundy. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, how are you? Doing good. We're uh, uh, on about practice nine and had some good workouts. You know, it's been unusual here. I'm sure you don't uh, you hadn't followed, but the weather's been in the in the low 80s. So uh, players are, are loving that. Uh, but uh, they they're having a lot of fun. We got a great group, very mature. Uh, you know, you've been around enough athletics to know how how much difference it is, how much different it is when you have a, a team that's very mature. They take care of themselves and, and get ready to play. We just kind of got to get out of their way. You know, it's funny actually. My father-in-law and mother-in-law drove out with my wife from Oklahoma about a week ago, and they track. You know how old people are in Oklahoma. They track the rain. Uh, because right. of his garden, and he was like, "Man, we got rain a couple nights. I know there's a tornado in Tulsa a couple nights ago. Scary stuff. Thirty people hurt. So yeah, I have been following it. So you finally get the beautiful indoor facility, right? You got these unbelievable, and now you you don't actually need it for the first couple weeks of of, of the season. You you mentioned this group. Um, you you haven't obviously played against live bullets, live competition yet, but compare it to some of the other teams that you thought could be special." at the end of the season. Where are you now as opposed to Whedon's last year? Where are you now against Zach Robinson's last year? Where are you in comparison to those teams? Doug, real close. Um, Mason Rudolph, our quarterback, has, has had a really good offseason. And, and through the first nine practices, he's, I think he's made more improvement from the bowl game to now than he's made in any of his years, which he should just due to experience. But He's handled all the um, the publicity very well. He's really driven and focused, and the team is following him. Um, <clears throat> we've got tremendous skill at the wide receiver position. We, we've got eight guys that we could put out there at any time, and, and we trust them. Um, of those eight, uh, I'm going to guess at least three are going to play in the NFL at some time in the next three or four years. We've got um, a, a mature offensive line. We added the the graduate transfer from Cal, that, that's fitting in very nicely. And at the running back position, we've got three guys that are battling to back up Justice Hill, and um, they're doing very well for, for the early part of camp. Defensively, we're similar because we don't have a player that everybody's going to say just dominates, but we have a lot of speed. I think they're really fast. And playing in our conference, it's it's – just so important that you have speed to cover from from sideline to sideline and they need to force turnovers Um, we've got a great punter Um, we've got cover units on all of our special teams Um, we have a new kicker uh, because we finally lost ben grogan after four years so that's really where we're at the the comparison of whedon's year and zach robinson year years is very very similar uh, all right, let's talk about Mason for a second. Uh, look, last year, incredibly productive, 28 touchdowns, four interceptions, over 4,000 yards passing. But the, the flaws to those of us who paid attention on a weekly basis, there are times in which he battles with accuracy issues, and there are times in which, especially when there's weather, when uh, now all of a sudden the, you, you have no idea where the ball is going. Like, how can you – How can you? Let's let's start with the accuracy. Um, how hard is it to work through – making a quarterback with a strong arm, a true kind of pocket passer, more accurate in an offseason? Well, what you're saying is exactly right. Those were the two areas that that he came up short last year. And the first one is he, w- he had a couple games where in the first half 
he just wasn't very good. Yeah. And it's, you know, you kind of scratch your head. You know, it's, it's you know, the basketball scenario is, you know, you got a guy that's a good three-point shooter, and then he gets in the game, and after the first half, he's 0 for 11. And you're like, well, why is he 0 for 11? Well, in, in his situation, he tried to do too much, and he tried to rush things with, without having the ball and controlling the ball. And as I term it to him, he got out of his box. And he has to play within his box. He has to use his strengths. Last year, he did that in a couple games. And then against Oklahoma, we played in, in poor weather. But I honestly think he let that get to his head. He, he, he wanted to win that game so bad. And he let the weather frustrate him because he's, he's a worrywart from the, from the standpoint that he wants everything to be perfect. He wants to win and be so successful. He's so driven, and I think he let it get to him, and he was frustrated. We had a lot of throws, Doug, in that game where we were going to chunk it down the field like a bunch. I'm talking probably 20 to 25 times. And it didn't completely take us out of it, but if it's coming down and it's wet, I mean, you know, you just can't throw it as accurate down the field. He got really frustrated even before the game. And I think he learned a great lesson. But that's what's happened to him last year on those two cases. See, it's, it's interesting because there, are, there have been people that have been critical of you. Well, why didn't Mike Gundy throw the ball downfield? You're like, wait, there's, there's more to it than just, you know, Coach Gundy didn't want to throw it downfield. But to me, I, and again, this is more of an educated fan than, than an expert that watches every day of practice. I feel like those two losses, um, those two, the, the Central Michigan loss and the Oklahoma loss, should set you up for more success this year. Mike Gundy, the head coach of Oklahoma State, joining us, ranked 11th in the country. Many people think they're a threat to not just win the Big 12, but to get to their first college football playoff. Like, the Central Michigan helps you with so many of these returners because now they lock in more when you play Tulsa, when you play Troy on the road, because remember Central Michigan. And the Oklahoma one motivates uh, those star players to just let it all hang out uh, and not be as tight in a bigger game. Is it... Is it fair that there's going to be – usually there's not as much carryover year to year, but because of those two losses, there may be more carryover from last year to this year? You're right again. And, and what happens here is the frustrating thing when the season's over is you look back on it and you say, we could have won every game. I mean, we really could have won every game. I know. And so that, that is a should, I should have won the Baylor, should have won the Baylor game. Yeah, you know? we turned the ball over twice inside the 40 going in. And, and, you know, but regardless, we didn't win. You know how that is. Yep. The other team's probably saying the same thing. But when you look at it on paper, you say, hey, we could have won every game last year. So that means that, that we're in a group, which I would say, you know, the top 20 teams in the country, give or take, would, would have an opportunity to do that. If things go well, don't turn the ball over. But the Central Michigan game keeps you focused. And then the, the, um, the players that come back from last year that went through what you're talking about, you know, they, they just understand it. They, they realize the importance of, of preparation in every week. And, you know, the comment that, you know, I heard the same thing all the time, why didn't we just throw it deep more, you know, against Oklahoma? And I've never said anything about it, but, you know, our plan was to throw it deep 25 times. But when, when the ball's not coming out of the quarterback's hand well and there's not confidence, I mean, I'm not the smartest guy. I mean, I'm not going to throw it down there a bunch. And so um, all of those things that you said are, are true. 
And, um, you know, that's the interesting part about a college football season. You know, you just hope some of those things fall in place for you as a team during those big games. Still got the Arkansas waterfall going, still have, still have the mullet, and you've, you've kind of turned the corner a little bit. I mean, not a little bit. Like, you've become this personality to which uh, we saw maybe from less at times at LSU, from, from Pat Jones, of course, course, coached you at Oklahoma State. Uh, we saw it from Steve Spurrier maybe later in his career, some at Florida, but also a lot at South Carolina where there's a – and I don't know whether it's because – uh, you're the longest tenured coach in the league was because you finally got the salary that you rightfully deserve or what the respect you've gotten nationally. It just, it feels like there's a comfort level to where you can be you like, this is the real you in, in with the media. Where does that come from? I think what you said, all right, you, you get to a point in your career where you you're settled. I, I feel settled where I'm at. I'm comfortable with um, the way that our administration has made a commitment to the entire staff that we have, the, the 65 employees that are in this building. Um, you know, I essentially ha- you know, have a contract set up here that, that should last me through uh, the time that I feel like that I'm not ready to do this, don't have the energy to coach anymore. And when you get to that point, if you do something long enough, um, I've started to realize that there's so much of a time commitment and such a, uh, a commitment from our players' bodies to play this game that it needs to be fun. And the only way it can be fun is if they feel like that I'm being myself and I'm being fun. And I want our team this year <clears throat> to enjoy, to have fun, and to cut it loose. And um, they know how to prepare. They know how to practice. They know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. But I want them to take chances. I want them to cut it loose, and I want to have a lot, a lot of fun. And I think as a leader, the only way they'll do that is if the guy that's watching them every day says it's okay. Um, last year you struggled early in the year to run the football. You mentioned the offensive line has improved, and, of course, you have Justice Hill back. You lost Chris Carson, who is doing great stuff with the Seahawks. I know he's blowing people away with, with how talented he is. How confident are you that for, forget about early in the year or when you're playing some of the Big 12 teams that don't do a great job at stopping the run in the important games, the Pittsburgh game on the road, uh, the, the Texas game, the Oklahoma game, how confident are you that you're going to be able to run the football when it matters the most? I feel good about our running game. We – we have to establish who our cowboy back's going to be. Um, last year we had Jarwin and Veach, and they were fantastic. Those guys were really good in our running game. Um, we've got some young guys um, that are uh, working at that position, and we need to establish those guys. But if you're, you're better up front, and, and Justice Hill's a year older, and he's 15 pounds heavier, we should be better running the football than we were last year. Can I be honest with you? That, that South Alabama game scares the hell out of me, right? It reminds well, me. You went on the road to Troy a couple years right, ago. Right. And South Alabama on a Friday night, you're going down to Mobile, playing on national TV. That's the biggest game they're ever going to have in Mobile. Uh, you know, and I, that, that's – why? Who, who's the assistant coach who agreed to that deal? Well, you know, they, they beat Mississippi State last year in Starkville. Yeah. And, um, uh, uh, you know, that, that's just one of those things, and, and you're right. You know, you, you can act like that you don't look at that and, and kind of gulp a little bit in your throat. But um, when you go on the big stage in an environment where, um, as you said, it'll be the biggest game they've had and maybe for years there, 
you know you're going to get the best from everybody, not just the team, but you're going to get the best from the crowd and, and all involved. So we'll certainly have to be prepared for that game. Last thing, um, there's talk of you guys competing, obviously, for a national championship. You talked about how you're, you've told me for years how your team is built and you changed the scholarships, 44 for defense, 41 for offense, and, of course, trying to recruit as much speed because of the way how spread out the league is. Your team seems to be built to win the Big 12, but is it built to win a national championship because other, other conferences play different style of football? Um, how, how accurate would be the, the thought that, yes, you can win the Big 12, but matchup-wise, it may take the right specific matchup to win the whole thing? Well, there's some truth to that. And, and I think that when we get into postseason play um, against teams from other leagues, if we're matched up against a team that, that is more physical up front, um, at that point, <clears throat> what we, we have to come up with plans on both sides of the ball where we don't just bang our head up against a wall. I mean, going into a game, um, you know, for example, the, you know, the team that's dominated people defensively the last three or four years has been Alabama. Right. Well, if you play them, you, you might have to throw it 70 times to try to find a way to win. I mean, you, you, you have to go into the game with a plan to win based on who it is. And we would have to evaluate that before we play those teams because there are teams that, that would be on our schedule at some point, even if it's in the playoffs, that would be more physical than we are up front based on the way we play in this league. So then you would have to overcome it with some finesse and speed and, and doing some things that would be a little bit different than what uh, would be a little unaccustomed for a traditional football team. Right. Now, Ellis, those would be first-world problems. That would mean you'd win the Big 12 and win the Big 12, first Big 12 championship game since the league went to 10, and, and you'd, 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 take, you'd take that opportunity if it presented itself. Well, look, uh, I can't thank you enough for always joining me. I look forward, as an alum, to the Tulsa game on Fox Sports 1 on, uh, on the 31st. Get back out there and uh, keep those guys healthy, all right? Hey, Doug, always good to be with you. Thank right. you. That's Mike Gundy, the head coach of Milo Mater, Oklahoma State, ranked number 11 in the country. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. So Spike Lee tweeted out, Lee said on Twitter he didn't organize the protest, but he sports Kaepernick and, quote, his stance on the injustices in the United States. Here's, by the way, here's how late to the party Spike Lee is. Colin Kaepernick has said he's no longer going to kneel. No longer going to kneel. Because he thinks progress has been made. Kaepernick donated over a million dollars of his salary to organizations trying to right the wrongs of the civil rights, of the civil rights movement that continues in the country, right? So Kaepernick, by, not, by saying he's not going to kneel, has said, like, hey, all those injustices... There's progress being made. Like, we're good. That's not really what he's saying. Really what he's saying is, I think that's what's keeping me out of the league. But this, to me, is one of those law of unintended consequences. Whether it's the civil rights group, whether it's Spike Lee, the more you make a big deal and supporting Colin Kaepernick as if he's been wronged by the NFL, the more the NFL is going to be pissed. And they're going to say to them, this is what one GM told me last week. Hey, I got no problem. We sign him. I don't. He doesn't want to be a backup. He wants to be a starter. We don't need a. We don't need a starter. We could use a backup. But what happens when you cut him? Will there be protest? Will you lose part of the locker room? Will you lose the whole locker room? Because it'll be a complete poop show when you cut him. And when you have a rally, a civil rights rally to support a guy when he's hired, all of these guys. This is. I coached a team in Israel. I've told you guys that. And. Um, I had 13 players because one player got hurt. We added a player. 
while we were there. And I can tell you from a coach's perspective, look, I, I, I know what I'm doing, or I thought I know what I was doing, and I definitely knew what I was doing more than the parents know what they're doing, right? And I had two parents come up to me and talk to me repeatedly about playing time for their kids. And their intended consequence was they wanted their kids to get more opportunity, more playing time. And I tried, and I tried as hard as I could because I had a parent. My dad was a former college basketball course coach, longtime AAU coach. Like he, he had a, he had a lot, I mean, he, for, for over 50 years, he was involved in the game of basketball and he played basketball as a walk-on in college. Like this guy knew more hoop, forgot more hoop than any of these parents remembered. But my dad was still the parent that would talk to the coaches. And so I, I understood and felt where they, it's, it's just true love for your kid that you only want to help them by talking to the coach. Hey, let me just tell you, my kid's really good, and he could fit in. And most of them didn't even talk about their kid. They were just like, hey, your bench is really good. You should think about using your bench more. Hey, doesn't your kid come off the bench? Yes, he does. Right? These guys can really play. Like, I get it. I understand what you your intended purpose of the conversation was. But the unintended consequence was, as much as I tried, I couldn't help but hold that against them. Right? So maybe not consciously, but subconsciously. Because you didn't want to say, you didn't want to play a guy and then go like, well, I only played him because his dad said something to me. I want to play him because he earned those minutes. That's exactly the same thing what's going to happen with Kaepernick. Where there, I guarantee that somebody's, somebody's going to lose a quarterback. Like, man, I'd love to bring him in. There's going to be protests if we cut him. Like, I can't have, if we work him out and it doesn't work out, like, I don't want to cut him and have protests. Like, it's just not worth it to me. The backup quarterback. There's other guys we can bring in that fit better and that we know at personalities and it's going to cost us less in terms of social impact. And we're just not worth it. The intended consequence is clear. They just want Colin Kaepernick to get a fair shot, man. The 2013, he nearly won a Super Bowl. And though his team couldn't win the past couple years, last year statistically, he had a good bounce back season and finished up strong. And whether or not you think he's great or even good, I don't think it's unreasonable to think he's better than many of the backups in the in the NFL. They just want him to get a fair shot. Spike Lee just wants to get a fair shot. But, dude, I'm telling you, the unintended consequences, all these GMs and presidents and owners and even some players like, no thanks, don't want that circus coming to town. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. The Dating Tomlinson was a three-time first-team All-Pro, a three-time second-team All-Pro. He was the MVP in 2006. He was also the MV- the NFL's Man of the Year in 2006. It was He was a no-doubter when somebody goes like, Hey, what about LT? Yes, he was in. Like You could take... You could point hole, poke, poke holes in Kurt Warner's five-year absence from being a starter in the NFL. You could poke holes in why did it take Kenny Easley so long. They're all Hall of Famers, but there was one guy to which anybody who paid attention watching him play during his, uh, during his what was it, eight seasons in San Diego or his season with the Jets, you knew that it was a Hall of Famer. And then... On top of it, he delivered a Hall of Fame-worthy speech, and now he works for the NFL Network, kind enough to spend some time with us. LT, LaDainian Tomlinson, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. How are you? I'm doing well, Doug. How are you, my friend? Good, man. I know you put a lot into that. Like, that was an incredibly, it was a beautifully crafted speech. 
your tie was magnificent. Like that was there was a <laughs> lot put into that. Um, okay, so when you came out of it, how did you feel about how you personally did? You know, I felt I felt really good about it. Um, of course, you know, it, there's a lot of preparation going to it. You know, things are changed around in the speech. You you constantly, you know, taking stuff out, adding things, and and you know, I just I felt like it was everything that I wanted to say. You know, and to the point where um, it was weird because when I got off the, the stage, man, I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed to say. I cried for 10 to 15 minutes. I, I couldn't, you know, it was just something that overwhelmed me at, at the time of what I had just did and, and how, how proud of of myself I was for, for doing that. And, yeah, so it took me a while to get myself together afterwards. I, I mean, look, the most powerful part to me was you talked about your great-great-great-grandfather, George, who came, yeah. over to the, came over as a slave and was given the name Tomlinson, why, why did you choose? Uh, I, and, and I thought, and for people who missed the speech, we'll tweet it out. It'll be available online. Uh, it'll kind of live in in perpetuity. But you you also took the path of, of of what it meant to change that name from somebody else's name that was given to him to now a name that your kids that you carry with such pride. Why why did you choose to to include that as portion of your speech? Well, uh, when the football life was done, my story on NFL Network. Um, I, I had so many great responses to people just when I was out in public of all races, Doug. You know, it didn't matter what race. People came up to me and said, your your football life inspired me. It, it really did, and, and I was so proud to learn that about you. Well, you know, I felt like if it inspired them in, in that way, then this was my opportunity to to say more about it, to challenge America, you know, because my story is not much different from the next man's story on both sides, the white side of the family and the black side of the family. And so that, you know, it was the perfect opportunity. What better way to have that type of platform, uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really say what was on my heart? You know, and you also said about how, look, uh, football is a microcosm of the real world and that you have so many different cultures, different races in that locker room. Having been a basketball player, experienced that exact same thing. Uh, athletes, I think, look at race far differently. But then, you know, with the the Colin Kaepernick angle of it, he, of course, being of mixed race background, being adopted uh, in how he was brought up and now trying to represent, I don't think just representing black culture, but just trying to represent um, a side to our culture which feels as though uh, the police have, have have wronged especially black people and that's caused kind of a side discussion which is bled into the football discussion and should he be on a football field I, I think people want to correlate what you said to the Kaepernick thing how would you differentiate the two well I, it, it wasn't about that honestly um, it, it was more so about the responsibility that we have to each other because this country is the greatest country in the world and and so many other nations 
look to us. That's why I said, you know, for all nations to follow, we should represent ourselves because we have so much diversity, so many different cultures, and this is the country that's that's the only country like that. And so at the end of the day, we should want to be 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 uh, a life for all nations to follow. I was just simply giving you my story that's parallel to a lot of people's story. Um, really had nothing to do with with Colin Kaepernick. It's, I, mean, I thought I thought you did it in fantastic fashion. Ladain Thomason is the NFL Network analyst. He's one of six Hall of Fame analysts on the network. Um, you are the last really San Diego Charger to go in. I mean, Philip probably at some point will go in, but I would, but he'll go in as an as an LA Charger. Kind of leaves you in a weird like I know people in LA uh, loved watching you play, but LA Charger fans were not necessarily San Diego Charger fans. What's that like to be the guy who represents the team that no longer exists? Well, I, I tell you, it's uh, you know I you know it's weird, but at the same time, I guess it kind of makes me special because. Uh, I am beloved by so many San Diego fans, and, and it was evident of their support at the Hall of Fame. So many San Diego fans were out there. And like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't L.A. fans. It was San Diego fans that was there to represent and, and to you know support me. And so it, it is a, a bit weird, but it, you know, to be the last, it's like, hey, you know, it, I'm going to be beloved, I guess, for, you know, for eternity, hopefully. If you could go back and change one thing about your career, what would it be? Just winning a championship. I, and, you know, yeah, but you can't I, change that. Like, is there, like, well, you know, I think I thought, like, I watched the football life on Sunday morning, and it talked about when you're in New England, and you made the bold decision, you're like, look, I'm not, I'm not right. My backup's better than I am. Um, yeah. You know, like, I don't think you could have personally changed the play calling the next year when you yeah. lost to the Patriots. Like, what you personally, is there anything you personally would have changed? Uh, not really, no. I don't think there's anything personally I would I would have changed because, you know, I prepared myself every offseason. You know, I made sure that me personally, I was in the best shape of my life, you know, that I – that I did everything possible so that I could be my best for my team. And so when I, you know, at, at the end of the day, when I look at it, I, I think I did it the right way. So there's, there's nothing that I would personally change. It's great. I mean, like, look, you, when you, you leave the hall of fame ceremony saying, I left it all out there, just like you left your career saying, I left it all out there. Like that's, that's a life. That's a, that's a life well lived to which you, when you live with no regrets, isn't it? That, that is, that's true. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, um, you know, for me, it was always something that, you know, to, to do it the right way. That was important to me because I realized, Doug, that I, I did represent a lot of people that, that helped me get there. And so um, to say that, to be able to say that both on and off the field, man, that that's, you know, I think that's the way it should be done. You, you always handle yourself with class and with grace. Uh, Zeke Elliott's seen as a, a, everyone says he's a good kid, but there's been a bunch of little things, and it's only been a year, and he's playing uh, in a bigger market with the Dallas Cowboys. You grew up in the state of Texas. You understand that the playing for the Cowboys is, is different even than playing for the Chargers in San Diego. Uh, if you had a conversation with Zeke, how would it go? Well, I think, you know, at this point, for Zeke, it's all about surrounding himself around the people that's going to make him become a better professional. And yes, we all allow 
um, our young players to, to be kids and to have fun and to express themselves in different ways. You know, but, but it's a fine line between, you know, doing that and also uh, getting in trouble with the law. For example, Odell Beckham Jr. does it to me, you know, even though people say, oh, he needs to mature. Let's give him time to. He's he's broken no laws. He's done he's done nothing wrong, and so that's okay. We're okay with that. Now on the other end of it, it's guys that are young but make mistakes and get in trouble with the law. That brings a bad light on the entire National Football League. We understand that. And so in Zeke's case, it's all about just now starting to say, you know what? I realize the responsibility I have. Let me start to surround myself with with guys that can help me become a, a better professional. Who's the most like you that's playing in the NFL? Wow, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I think it would be a guy like David Johnson, honestly, even though he's probably um, a little bit bigger than me. He, You know, th- that offense, he's going to touch the ball about 20 times. I, I should say – run the ball at least 20 times in that offense, and then get another five to ten catches out the backfield. But in that offense, he has to run up inside, which I had to do a lot. You know, I I consider myself truly a perimeter player, but in my offense, I had to run up the middle quite a bit. And it's the same with, with David. So, you know, I, I think he's most like me just because of everything that he's asked to do. And, uh, you know, when you look at – his his agility and how how he's able to get in in and out of the hole, uh, I think we're quite similar. Le'Veon wants to be paid like a running back and a wide receiver. No one knows more about catching the ball out of the backfield than you do. Um, how do you think that negotiation is going to go with Pittsburgh wanting to be paid like both? Well, he should be paid like one of the top football players in the National Football League. I don't care what position. He's a guy that um, – you know, demands the respect of of the highest paid football players in our league, in my opinion. Whenever you have a dominant player, you have to pay him as such. And I don't care what the running back market says, there's nobody in the National Football League right now like Le'Veon Bell. The only thing is he's missed 14 games the last two years. I get that, and, and, and they haven't done well when he's been off the field. No, I, no, look, I think he's awesome, but it's really hard to go like, yeah, dude, we're going to compensate you, but you know, you're, you're, you know, you're one thing away from being suspended for a long time, or you know, I'm not, he's not fragile. I mean, injuries I happen, that. but he has gotten hurt. Yeah, I get that, but he's still a young man as well, and so he has a lot of football left to play. The way he runs, um, his style – Trust me, you know, I can't say this, obviously, as as a matter of fact, but the way he runs, he's not going to be a guy that continues to get hurt. He doesn't take big shots. You know what I mean? Like, the way they use him, he's not going to be a guy to get beat up and, and, and take a lot of shots and just get worn down. So I wouldn't worry about that part too much. And listen, let's, you know, Le'Veon also has to prove that he's learned this lesson off the field. Uh, so that's something that's that's in, you know it's up to him. Last thing I want to circle back to the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers. Now, uh, Phillip struggled last year holding on to the football. That's not usually his problem. And obviously, look, they've had offensive line issues. Keenan Allen's been hurt the last two years, um, and so th- there were other issues that have that have befuddled that team. What's your sense though of how much Phillip has in the tank? Does he have another great year or a couple of years in him? I I absolutely think so. 
Um, I'm not just saying that because I work for the owner. Um, having seen Phillip, you know, this offseason, seeing seeing how good of a shape he's in, seeing him throwing the football, his arm is still live. Um, I, I do think he still has another two or three good years left in the tank. And and you said it right, Doug. It, it was all about the offensive line, you know, the pressure that that uh, he was under. And, and we know Phillip wants to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. The other thing is when you lose so many weapons and, and you're the guy on that offense, you're almost forced to press at times yep. because you got to keep up with people. And that's what that's what happened with Phillip. If if his if his um talent around him, wide receivers, Melvin Gordon, guys like that stay healthy. I expect them to have a big year. All right, NFL Network, which Ladanian Tomlinson, of course, is an analyst on, carries week one preseason games starting tomorrow. Remember, it's tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. Eastern with the Texans versus the Panthers. He now has his own gold jacket, his own bust, which has that mean mug on, no smiling on the. <laughs> I heard you talking about Dan Patrick. I love the idea. You didn't like the way it works with the smiling. It looks much more realistic uh, with, with the normal with your normal face. Congratulations, LT. It was a magnificent speech. Can't wait to see you on the TV side. Thank you, Doug. Always a pleasure. Ladanian Tomlinson, the last San Diego Charger to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.